0: Welcome to the Tea Grannies. I'm Elise. And I'm Maria. Today we're here to talk about setting goals. This episode will focus on how to create tangible goals and a roadmap on how to get there. So pour yourself a cup of tea and let's get started. Setting realistic goals is the first order of business. And the most common goal for most of us writers is to get published. Totally worthy, awesome goal. And we're gonna talk about how you get there. So you need to break this down into baby steps. It's it's a long way from I wrote a first draft to I'm querying to I'm published. And so uh, first of all, evaluate where you are. Are you just on your first draft, second draft, ready to query, but you don't know how. So once you figure out where you are with your goals, then you can move on. If you just finished your first draft in the middle of June, you will not be querying in July. You could, but we recommend that you don't.
1: Yeah. So the next question you want to nail down, because uh, that turnaround time, you're going to kill yourself with that. Don't try that. Um, the next question you want to look at is, um, are you after a traditional publishing deal or are you interested in self-publishing? Because that will determine how you approach the next few steps. Um, and the answer to this will change depending on your goals um and what you learn along the way because when I originally started I was dead set against self-publishing in all shapes and forms because I just didn't want to do that but now um I'm self-publishing a book in less than in less than a month no in a month I still got time oh Oh gosh (laughs) okay that scared me no it's fine it's more than a month
0: (laughs) Um, you can do it it's gonna be fine
1: (laughs) it's gonna be great but it's good to remember that if your goal is to self-publish um your approach is going to look a lot different than if your goal is to traditionally publish. Like if you want to do self-publishing, you don't need an agent. You don't need that person to represent you to publishers to get you published in the long run. Um, now, that might make you think, oh, then I don't need a query letter because I don't have to query an agent But here's the thing, you will need an editor, and when you're approaching an editor, a really good approach to that is to essentially write a query letter saying, here's what my book's about, here's a little bit about me, are you interested in my project? Because they might not be. You might not write the genre that they read in. So you still have to query, but to be fair, the query letter is less intense and less of like, you have to, you can be less picky about it because when you approach (laughs) an editor, you're going to pay them for the editing work. Whereas if you approach an agent, the agent doesn't get paid until your book sells. So there's just kind of a different set of values working there and it's a different approach. Mm-hmm. But it's still good to know like what's my book about and if I was pitching it to someone, how would I do that? That's like solid. You need to know that. Um And there's a bunch of other steps involved figuring out, especially if you're self-publishing, you're going to want to figure out your distribution process, your cover design, whether or not um you're going to go through like a – some kind of self-publishing agency, or if you want to do it all yourself and hire out the bits and pieces that you can't do, mm-hmm. um, which can get expensive. So you gotta, you know, plan out a budget. That's another step. That's fun.
0: <laughs> this all sounds a little overwhelming as well, which is why <laughs> we're talking about setting goals and breaking it down.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's just throw this all at you and then not tell you how to do No, Yeah, yeah. we're, we're going <laughs> to get to all these. We're going to get to all of these things. We're going to break it down. Um. But yeah, we're just going to shove everything into everyone's faces right from the start. It's great. Um. So you may not need a list of agents. You might need a list of agents, depending on what you need. But if you don't need a list of agents, you probably need a budget and a list of other people that you're going to want to work with to get all those pieces put together. So it's, I would say it's a similar process. You need a similar mindset for either side. You just need to know what to look for. And that's what we're here for. We're not just like throwing you over the edge and be like, okay, go have fun. No, (laughs) we're going to try and explain some of these things.
0: So once you know your goal, how do you get there? So it's always worked for me is working backwards. So I know what my goal is. And then I break it down into steps. Like what's the goal, the step before that and the step before that. So if your goal is to get an agent, if you're working backwards from that, you need to query agents as many as you can to fit your genre and your story. And they have to be open for queries too. Like mm-hmm. Nothing like being like, this agent is perfect for me. And they're closed for queries. Mm-hmm. It's very heartbreaking. So you need a query letter. And if you're going to query, you also need a synopsis and then you need that list of agents to query and you need a finished draft that's hopefully been copy edited at least, uh, you know, because as good of a job as you can do on your own, fresh eyes on your work is going to find all those little mistakes that you didn't even see. Like I wrote, <laughs> tried to write "love bite," and I went back and edited. This is like months later and it had autocorrected to "love birds." So... <laughs> I would not have seen that if I hadn't taken like a three month break from looking at this manuscript oh, and I was yes. like, oh, I'm gonna fix that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there's there's lots of steps um, for getting an agent but also for getting self published and also for getting your draft ready to go, which yes. we're gonna get to next.
1: <laughs> yeah, so there's a bunch of steps involved in that. Um, you're going to want to consider breaking those down into manageable pieces because, yeah, as we've been saying, this is all kind of daunting there's so many different things to think about, and where do you start and then you start, but you get stuck, and what do you do next yeah we're we're here to help with all that, so um some things you'll want to consider getting ready, like a polished ready to query draft. You're going to have to go through your drafting process, obviously, Mm -hmm. and then you're going to want to workshop that draft, or maybe you don't want to workshop the first one. Maybe you want to wait until the second one because you don't want anyone to look at your first one. That's valid.
0: Yeah, I've got a draft like that.
1: Yeah, Maria's like that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's totally fair. Like your first draft can be you just spitballing and you're just getting it out there Mm -hmm. and it doesn't make sense, but you have all the pieces and then you go back and fix it and then it's ready for someone else to workshop. But it still needs to be workshopped because- it's always more helpful to have more eyes on the project. And then revising Mm the workshopping, going through the edits that people send you, going through their suggestions, taking what's helpful, discarding the rest. And then after that, you're going to want to basically go through another round of it with beta readers and have like a handful Mm -hmm. of people who give you some solid advice on what's working and what isn't. Because at that point, chances are you'll still need to fix some things. I know I do. And then you (laughs) do always. (laughs) And then after the beta reading, you're going to get feedback from them and then you need to edit again. So there's a lot of repeated Mm -hmm. steps. There's a lot of like doing the same things. It feels like you're doing the same things over and over again, but you're yeah. improving every time you're making progress every time. And then once you have your draft ready, you have to think about marketing. And that's, that's probably where I got stuck for the longest time. Cause that's such a freaking scary word. Marketing. Ugh. Oh man.
0: <laughs> sounds way too university. Yeah. It so. <laughs> sounds way too
1: grown up and I, I don't want to yeah. touch that. But part of that is going to be clarifying the purpose of your story, clarifying the, the central. Some people like to use the word theme. Um, some people mm. really don't like that word. But I um, hate that word.
0: Get it away from me. <laughs> <That's>
1: fair. <laughs> it's a dirty
0: word. <laughs>
1: <laughs> For some people, it starts, strikes terror into their heart. Just talk to Maria. Um, yeah.
0: Gives me flashbacks from high school.
1: <laughs> high school teachers. Oh, thanks.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> Basically, you, you just want to know the motivating beat, the central heartbeat of the plot. Like, what is the purpose of this character and what are they trying to accomplish and what's just the end goal? You don't necessarily want to spoil that for an agent. You probably want to keep them guessing a bit, but you still need to get to the heart of that story. Um, and part of that is developing a hook. So developing a one-liner or like a short, short paragraph, one to two lines that is going to just really grab them in. Um, and that's a piece that you'll put into your query letter with um, more about the book and then more about the author and different things. Something memorable, but not obnoxiously quirky, because then they'll remember you for bad things and you don't want that either. I don't want to do that,
0: especially if you have to <laughs> query them later with another project because they rejected your first project. Uh-oh. So you want to make sure that you don't uh, mm-hmm. make a bad impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So a useful planning tool is something called a 12-week plan. So we learned about these uh, from Eileen Cook, who is amazing. And she talked about them at the Surrey International Writers Conference a couple years ago. And Elise and I started using them after that. And they have been fantastic. Uh, if you're a member of the Creative Academy, they do 12-week year planning retreats. And this is based on a book by Brian Moran, who called it the 12-week year. And that's where the original idea came from. So you look at the calendar and you see count ahead to 12 weeks. Then you have a look at what you have in that time. Usually when you look at 12 weeks ahead in your calendar, you can see the big things that are coming up, you know, Uh, big work projects, like your usual deadlines, like, stuffing your personal life your hobbies whatever you kind of know what's coming in the next 12 weeks so you go through your calendar and i always black out the days that are like a no-go like if i have a horse show i'm like i'm not gonna get a lot done that week i will optimistically say i will but i probably won't so i kind of go okay if i've got three weeks of horse shows in 12 weeks that really only gives me nine weeks of work and then i work my projects out in that timeline like you can do a lot in that time frame, first of all. So say from January to March, end of March, that's a pretty good chunk of time. So say you want to finish your draft. You want to finish workshopping your friend's manuscript, which is like 100,000 words at least. You want to make an edit list for your draft. So what you can do, so if you want to finish your current draft by February 15th. It's pretty good. You finish your workshopping your friend's manuscript by March 1st. And then you have your edit list done for your draft by the end of March. But you've got them done in 12 weeks, just like that. And we also uh, have rewards. So we do things like, you know, if I finish workshopping pages for our workshop group, I'm going to have a glass of champagne. Or I finish Lisa's manuscript, I'm going to buy myself a book. That's my favorite reward. It's usually buying books. Because you need a palate cleanser (laughs) after that shit. And I have a very, very big addiction to buying books and then just creating a to read stack that makes me feel guilty. And I've called it the shelf of shame. (laughs) And it's it's like 30 books deep right now. So, yeah. Um, So, yeah. So, you do something like that, like, or, you know, for big stuff, big deadlines, like if I finish a manuscript and I send it for copy edit, I'm like, I'm going to take a mental health day from work, you know, Mm -hmm. provided I got enough vacation time. (laughs) So yeah, it's it's kind of whatever works for you. But if you work within the 12 weeks, you can do so much. And it's a lot less overwhelming than, than looking at like, I want to finish this by like, you know, August 15th rolls around. You're like, oh, shit, I was going to finish that by September. <laughs> so it keeps you a little more accountable because the deadlines are within sight.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say from that process, because we started doing the 12-week plans and that was incredibly helpful for whatever I was working on at the time. But mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest pieces of that reward section because so often you're you're playing the long game when you're a writer you never know like when you're going to get published or when those things are going to happen and for the most part you're just kind of plugging away at it writing a thousand words every once in a while or maybe you write every day Mm -hmm. if you're like stephen king incarnate whatever (laughs) um (laughs) i'm bitter i'm sorry
0: (laughs) (laughs) we do pretty good with our word we do
1: but if you can do if you can write every day i am very impressed automatically because that Mm -hmm. takes discipline that's incredible um that might not work for you and that's fine Mm -hmm. but the reward piece is so so crucial because oftentimes you're just like you're pounding on a draft you finish Mm -hmm. a draft you workshop it um Sure, people might give you nice comments and that'll feel like a reward in and of itself. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you're not really, you don't have anything to celebrate along the way. Like with, with, yeah. so, when you're in school, you're celebrating, okay, I finished this semester. I finished these classes and then you move on to the next thing. When you're writing a book, it's like, okay, I finished this book. Um, have no idea if or when it'll get published. And now I'm moving on to the mm-hmm. next thing. And there's no, there's no, um, gratification in between.
0: Yeah. You got to acknowledge your success, even if it's yes. a small success. Yes. It's- it works wonders for your brain
1: mm-hmm. and it helps you move on to the next thing and feel like actually energized to do so so that's that's a life hack for you I don't just do that for <laughs> writing stuff anymore I do that for everything
0: <laughs> I started doing it for other things too yeah
1: clean the bathroom time for chocolate hallelujah <laughs> yes.
0: I do that too I'm like if I get through this freaking work day I'm having nachos for dinner yeah I'm not sorry about it <laughs>
1: find what works for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for my part, I found 12 week plans work for me when I have some big projects to focus on. Um, But when I'm trying to make it work just kind of in general for my day to day stuff, and I just have maybe a couple bigger things, but I don't necessarily want to plan it out in those 12 weeks, that's not a helpful deadline for me. There's a few other ways that you can organize things. So I've often had people sit down and say, plan out your year. It'll motivate you. And, you know, (laughs) what? I didn't know how to do that until this year. Like, that's just so daunting. How does someone look ahead at the entire year and say, okay, this is everything I'm going to have done by January 1st of next year. Like you people are crazy.
0: It's like my to-do list on steroids. Like (laughs) I just don't think I could do that.
1: Right. It sounds insane, but, um, I managed to do it this year at least. Well, we'll see. I I just started. So (laughs) that's not really fair to say, but I do have a plan for the year. If you can believe that. Um, and I found it really helpful to break it down. So when I was looking at my year as a whole, I was thinking, okay, I have these book ideas. Which ones do I want to finish by the end of the year? What sounds manageable? So I picked a couple of them. We'll see. I might not finish all of them, but you know, I want to. Um, And then put in your other life goals too. Like don't just, don't just plan your writing stuff because you're going to forget about all the other life things happening around you. And then you're not going to accomplish your writing goals and be like, oh, I wonder why. And it's because you didn't, bring in all the other moving pieces. I've done that to myself so many times. It is so demotivating. (laughs) Plan your writing around your life, like include everything. It's all a part of it. I promise you. So take your year. Um, If you want to make a career change, plug that in. If you want to go down in hours at your day job because you have that availability now, plan that in. When are you going to talk to your boss? When are you going to do that? Um, Take all those big picture things and plot them in for the year you might not accomplish all of them that's okay but at least you have kind of a game plan and then what i did to make it so much more manageable is i broke my year down into months okay if i want to finish these two book ideas by the end of the year i'm already halfway through one when do i need to start the next one in order to finish it when do i need to finish this first one and then when do i want to revise it so i planned those in month after month and just made it feel like, okay, I can accomplish these things a piece at a time. And I'm not just looking at the big picture thing for the entire year and thinking, oh, that's gonna take me so long. How am I gonna do that? And then my final step was to then plan out my weeks. And I don't do my weeks for the entire year. That is insanity. Don't put that's that on too yourself. Much. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, so I plan out a couple weeks at a time. I say, okay, this is my goal for this month based on the goals that I wanted to accomplish this year. And how much can I get done in the next two weeks? I have to work these days. I have to um see my mom on this day. I have a coffee meeting on that day. I have a Zoom call on that day. Like I plot in all the moving pieces, whether they're writing related or not, so that I don't forget about them and think, oh, look, I have two weeks. I can do all this writing. And then.
0: That's always a lie. Right. Even if you book time off, you're like, I'm going to spend this whole week writing. Ugh. You won't. You won't. You're going to replace light bulbs in your house and mm-hmm. you're going to clean out that stupid hall closet. Mm-hmm. You are not going to write that all time.
1: <laughs> I've been off. I've, I've been on holidays this week and I had all these wonderful goals to edit my draft. I have not touched it. I have not touched a single word <laughs> and I'm well, already halfway through my holiday time. Okay. So <laughs> uh, leave yourself space to lie to yourself because you're going to do that.
0: Give yourself, you know, you can't plan your whole day to the minute. Um, unless you are some kind of superhuman. Mm -hmm. I mean, I plan mine pretty down to the wire, but you always got to leave like an hour for like shit you're not expecting. At least an
1: hour. Maybe maybe two. two.
0: (laughs) Yeah, two if you work from home.
1: Mm -hmm. And I would say that that, um, that brings into, into mind, like your work, your writing, life balance. Those are all good things to, to think about, to consider your flexibility, mm-hmm. to choose your schedule, whether you're able to do that or not. Cause you might just work full time. That might just be like, you work five days a week and that's non-negotiable and you're going to have to plan around that. But that's when you get into the day-to-day planning and then. Like, I kind of lump that in with my week to week planning. I try to plan out my days as much as possible. And then either at the, at the end of a day or at the beginning of a day, that's when I sit down and I look at my more specific checklists, my specific to-do lists for that day. And that comes in handy because there might be a whole bunch of those little tasks, like you're saying, um, or these unexpected things that come up in the middle of your day and you have to plan them in later, um, and errands and all those, Little things that you have to do, like water the plants and wash the dishes and pick up so and so from work. Grown up crap. Oh yeah. All that good stuff. <laughs> but if you plot it out either the night before or at the beginning of the day, it's so much less effort on your brain to remember mm-hmm. them and then to kind of try and navigate them all and try to remember, okay, what did I have to do today? Um, I don't know. Why didn't I write this down? You can hear the narrative that I have gone through many times. <laughs> um, and then, and then as you go through your day and you check off those things, it can be super motivating because those check marks, they add up and you can mm-hmm. see like your own progress throughout the day. So that's just, you know, healthy brain trick to make you feel like you're doing good. You're doing
0: good work. I love healthy brain tricks like they're the only reason we're really doing this whole podcast is because we've tricked (laughs) our brains into like this is a fun productive thing to do (laughs) we're just gonna talk for a couple hours it's gonna be great it's like our regular conversations but like voice instead of typing right you know what I mean (laughs) pretty similar (laughs) um yeah I have a variety of calendars as well so I have like my my work calendar actually is like a big desk calendar and that's the one I kind of use to plot out the next month. So like I do the 12 week plans, mostly for writing-related things. And then I kind of just leave it as a writing-related thing. And then for my, like, I look ahead to the next month and I look at my work deadlines because I do payroll, taxes, stuff like that. So that stuff always has the same deadlines. And I always got to authorize and this and that. So I put that on the calendar. Those are the non-negotiable deadlines. And then I put stuff like appointments on there that are like not negotiable, like my dog's hydrotherapy after her surgery, <laughs> stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, like my horse related commitments, like I have to hold my horse for the farrier to get her feet done and they're getting their shots on this day and like all that stuff that adds up that has to be done that I have to be physically present for. Um, So I go through my calendar by the month and I make sure my phone calendar matches my work calendar, which has everything on it except writing things, no writing things on the work calendar because I would go insane. If I saw that many things on my calendar, I would lose my shit. So the work calendars like work and personal life, writing stuff stays on its whole own thing. So this app called Things 3, and I had to pay for it, but like, I can't live without it. It's (laughs) my best friend. (laughs) So I have can do daily to-do list and you can put stuff as far ahead as you want. It's so like, I'll put stuff in there, like put the garbages out on Thursday. Like I don't usually forget garbage day, but it's in there, kind of set it and forget it type of thing. And then I have um, sections for projects. So I put each draft in its own project and then each draft has a checklist and I can put deadlines in. The podcast has its own home as well with a checklist and deadlines. And I also put little ideas in there. Um, and yeah, it's mostly, it's great for the reminders and it syncs with my calendar. So when I open it, I can see my calendar and then I can see what I have to do that day. And that's been a real lifesaver for me because I have multiple things on the go, like between like just adulting, (laughs) uh, horses, dogs, writing day job, all that stuff. It needs to be organized as best as possible. And a lot of people think I'm crazy and that's fine. But I need my calendars. Um, and then every week, every Sunday, my husband and I sit down and we go over our work schedules for the week. And that's also when we meal plan. And we kind of plan around our schedule. So like tonight, Elise and I are recording at 6 o'clock, which is not our usual time. So I was like, oh, we're going to do something easy for dinner tonight. And then tomorrow a Zoom call at like 5. So we're going to have leftovers after the Zoom call. And I plan that out so at like you know, four o'clock an hour before my Zoom call tomorrow. I'm like, oh my God, what are we going to do for dinner? And so it's <laughs> just stuff like that that makes your life easier. And that's usually when I sit down and kind of go, okay, maybe I won't really have time to edit on Thursday. So I'm just going to take Thursday as like I get caught up day, I'll do my errands and stuff. And then on Friday, I'll block an extra two hours for editing. So it's kind of, it's whatever works for you, but it will save you big time. And it's good for your mental health to you know, allocate time for your self care, and that as well on your calendars. Like I have a pretty hard deadline for the most part of like nothing after five o'clock. Like I sign off of everything at five. Um, you know, but I do work for the family business, so it's not always it doesn't always happen. Uh, but I have in good intentions every day to sign off at five and be done. And then with like a few exceptions, like tonight we're recording and then like our workshop group is usually in the evenings once a month. So those things are the exception to the rule. But for the most part, I have that rule for myself.
1: Another thing that we've both found helpful or we're trying it out um, is we've just started using a little like a habit tracker. Essentially, it's a grid. Um, we have both saw it on The Instagram account of V.E. Schwab. Uh, She's so cool. She's the author. She's great. She's the author of, uh, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, if you've heard of that one. And this, it, she's posted multiples of these. So I think she just does this every month. She sits down and she draws out this graph. I won't draw it by hand. Yeah, I'm I made a spreadsheet. I'm not a
0: monster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so she draw. it looks like she draws it out by hand. Maybe she has some kind of template and she makes it easier. Um, but essentially, it's just it's a piece of graph paper. And on, in a line on the top, you have every single day of the month written out. So just the, just the numbers. So one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. five, all the way down to the end. Um, so I have mine done for May. You have one column for each day. And then the rows on the left are all the tasks, I guess, the habits or the tasks that you do mm-hmm. pretty much weekly or at like daily or at least weekly. So my column on the left looks like... um I've got a couple different writing projects at the top, and then I have like my freelance editing business stuff, and then I have marketing stuff. Uh, Day Job is one of Mm -hmm. them. Tea Granny's Podcast is one of them. Um, So that's all listed down the left, and then the numbers on the top for each day. And then every day you go through and you color in one square every time you work on something on that day. So on May 2nd, I happen to do a little bit of editing for my client. I did a little bit of editing for myself. I'm making this up. I probably wasn't as productive, but I'm going to make myself look good. And then I read a book and we recorded an episode of Tea Grannies. Yeah, that would never happen all in one day, but let's just say that I did do that on May, t- on May 2nd. So then I would color in a box for each of those things. And mm-hmm. then at the end of the month, you can look back and see where you put your energy and see how much you actually accomplished in a day and see how much more you do than you think because I pretty much guarantee you by the end of the month you're going to look back and be like wow I did all of that where you think at the beginning of the month I'm so lazy I don't do all those things that I say I'm going to do and they never get done I must not do anything and you think it's just going to be this like trash heap by the end of it no it's like I, I'm I'm pretty awesome. I'm 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 a human being and I'm doing human things and <laughs> And doing them well. And <laughs> doing them well. Yeah. So it's another like self-care brain trick for me at least. I don't know mm-hmm. how you've been feeling about it.
0: I like it. So one of the things I actually put on there was self-care because I mm-hmm. am notorious for not taking care of myself and mm-hmm. it's a bad habit and I'm working on mm-hmm. it. And so I put self-care on there, put like podcast, writing, editing writing is actually completely blank because I'm editing right now, but editing has lots of colored in blocks. So I'm proud of that. And uh, I put, you know, like time at the barn with the horses and like, um, what else I put in there, but like writing sprints, which we have been doing, but I kind of haven't logged because they're editing sprints right now. So stuff like that. And so it's been working actually well for me. Like I, I like filling it in. Um, and I, I think it's dealing with, like it's helping me a lot with my guilt that I don't do enough. And I'm looking at it like, oh, I did like so far, it's May 12th today when we're, when we're recording this. So um, there's been one day in May so far that I haven't done podcast work. Hmm. Like, I felt like I wasn't doing that much towards it. And I was like, yeah, actually you are. <laughs> so that's very satisfying.
1: So to be fair, not everyone is as crazy as us planning your life out for the year or for the month or God forbid for the week might just not be something that works for you. And that's totally fine. Like you need to find something that works for your personality or your schedule or whatever it is that you have in your life because no two people are the same. So like I work part-time. Not everyone has. I work part-time at a day job and then I work part-time at home doing editing business stuff. So... um. I have a little more flexibility. I can move my things around a little bit depending on what is required in my day job. So if you have something like that, like me, where you have, um, just a few different things that you're trying to juggle, you're going to want to consider, um, your personality and how you work best and your like your attention span. This is what I've found the most interesting. If you have a shorter attention span, maybe you need to space things out where you have like a writing day and then a day job day, and then you have another writing day and you get like that variety into, into your life. So your schedule might look like these alternating blocks of different tasks. And that might help keep you focused because it's like, okay, today I'm doing something different and that might excite your brain. Maybe that's how you work. That's totally valid. Um, If you tend to work better with longer term blocks of focused time, and that's me, like I'll sit down and read a book for five hours and that's my happy place. And afterwards I feel great. Um, if I have to sit down and read for an hour and then jump to another thing for two hours and then jump back and read for an hour and then jump to another thing for an hour, it drives me crazy and I end up feeling exhausted afterwards. So if you're like that, you're going to want to consider grouping your week into bigger chunks. So what I do, because I have the flexibility and not everyone is in that position and I do recognize that, um, if you have the flexibility, blocking off four days at the day job, three days dedicated to writing or whatever um, delineation that you're able to do, that's the way I find that I can... I can focus on my day job for those four days. And then when I come home to do my three days of writing, I don't have any distractions. I've managed to put my work into a box. I've put my box on the shelf and now I can take out my writing box and bring out all the things I need to do for that and just focus on that. And that gets me through my week so much more effectively. So that depends on your flexibility. If you have a five day a week day job and you're there from nine to five and that is just the way things are because that's where you're at you're going to have to space things out some other way. Maybe you get up in the morning a little bit earlier and you write every morning. Or maybe you schedule that time in an evening every day. Whatever it is that you find that works for you. Or maybe you just do it on the weekend. Like we said, we don't write every day. We think that that's very impressive. We also think that that's very crazy. People will think we're crazy for different things. It's fine. But maybe you just go on and write on the weekend. And that's fine. You have your two days of focused time. Maybe that'll work better for your brain. That's Absolutely okay. Find what works for you and do that. No two people are the same. So, the trick is to find these pieces of each strategy and to build them together, to piece them together into your own curated system so that you find something that works.
0: So, a good trick I learned from a career coach is to do a vision board. Uh, When I first heard about it, I was like, that sounds so stupid. I am not doing a vision board. (laughs) That sounds like a waste of my time. Uh, But he encouraged me to look at it like, what do I want my ideal life to look like? So you can actually do a vision board if you're a visual person. Um, Pinterest is awesome for that. I actually do kind of vision boards Mm -hmm. for my drafts, but that's a whole other thing. Um, So... For me, like I don't like having the actual vision board, so I just sort of talked it out as I'm a verbal processor. Um so I looked at what I wanted out of my life, uh what you know, and and don't hold back, like what's your perfect life look like? Do you live in the country? Do you have horses on your property? I mean, <laughs> safe. <laughs> um, or do you live in the city in like a big apartment? Uh, Do you work full-time do you write on the side while you do that? Or do you write full-time and you make money doing that? So when you think about everything that you want, it's just like setting your goal. You're going to look at what you want. Okay. This is my perfect life. And then you work backwards. How can you get there? And it seemed a little wishy-washy actually when he introduced it to me and I was like, I can't see that being uh, really helpful, but here I am, you know, like five years later podcasting, I'm writing, I'm going to be querying soon again, uh, my second fully finished project, which I didn't even have a draft or the idea of a draft when I had these career sessions. And I have flex time at work, something I never thought I would get, even though I work for family. <laughs> Anyone who works for family knows what that's like. And I have a way better uh, setup for my horses now. I have like a great coach. And so all those things when he told me about it, Uh, that I wanted that I thought were silly are actually coming into being now, like five years later. And that's the thing, like Elise said, like, when you're a writer, you're working the long game. And that's true for your life as well. And so, you know, some of these things seem a little crazy or whatever, but they are helpful for your writing, your reading for everything that you that you want to do.
1: And that's the tea on goal setting. All links will be in the show notes and you can reach us anytime at theteagrannies at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Podcast. You can DM us, you can comment on everything. We will love you forever. If you like the music in our episodes, please, please follow the amazingly talented Michael Fabro on instagram at michael Fabro, um we are so grateful for him for the music and it sounds beautiful and if you want some more easy listening stuff that's the place to be um please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts we will be eternally grateful for that as well and it's time to put the kettle on we'll see you again in two weeks happy writing